1962, Fred Smith was a freshman in Yale University when he wrote a paper for his first year economics class proposing a new business model for delivering freight as uh, using air, uh, using aircraft. His professor said it was an inventive idea, but it wasn't feasible, and so they gave him a C- for this paper. Uh, when he graduated in 1965, four years later, he had no job prospects, so he joined the Air Force and served in Vietnam and flew over 200 combat missions. And during his four years of service, he watched how the military moved their goods and their cargo, their freight, their supplies, all across the globe. And he had an idea, and he, he, this, this idea was still burning within him, and, and he, he uh, pitched to his superiors that he had a way that they could do it better, more efficiently. And so they said, put together a proposal. He put together his, his proposal. He pitched his idea. And once again, he was told it was an inventive idea, but it really wasn't feasible. Economically, logistically, it just wasn't going to work. And so he was discharged in 1969, and he landed a job working in aircraft repair. And he began buying old salvaged airplanes and rebuilding them on the side, getting enough money and parts together, and, and just began to, to work away at his dream. And he ran into somebody with the U.S. Federal Reserve, and so he pitched his idea to the U.S. Federal Reserve to become their carrier and to move all of their cargo, which I guess is bricks of gold and money, and, and uh, to, to fly them around and to move them around in a, an efficient, secure way. And they actually uh, liked his idea. They thought it was a good idea, and they agreed to work with him. And so Fred Smith put together a company called the Federal Express Company to become the official carrier for the Federal Reserve. And at the last minute, the government backed out of the deal. It seems the bean counters took a look at the numbers and the logistics of everything, and again, they just said, it's not feasible, and they waived their right and canceled the contract. And Smith was in trouble. He'd leveraged everything he had. He was overextended. He had a mountain of debt. He had built up a fleet of 14 aircraft, and he had lost his one and only contract before the first plane could get off the ground. So with no other options, he shortened his name of the company to FedEx, and started the world's first and only overnight freight delivery service by air. On their first day, their airplanes delivered 25 packages to 15 different cities. They operated at a steep loss for their first four years until things began to shift. And not only did FedEx prove to be successful, but they've been a profitable company ever since 1977. And today, FedEx has the world's largest air fleet. They're capable of moving more than 30 million pounds a day. Their planes fly over 500,000 miles a day. Their ground couriers log over 2.5 million miles a day. They circle the globe 100 times each 24-hour period. And they remain today as the largest carrier in the world. They employ over 450,000 people in their global workforce. The entire global freight industry 
that all of us use and enjoy with Amazon Prime and all these things that we order and have delivered, the entire global freight delivery system is actually based on Fred Smith's freshman year economics paper. And I share that story because it highlights the importance of determination and grit. Fred Smith would never have launched FedEx. It never would have came into being had he given in to the negative voices, the, the challenges, the obstacles, the, the rejections that came his way. Something happened in Fred Smith, and this is a good reminder that nothing significant is accomplished without overcoming some challenges along the way. Grit and determination doesn't guarantee everything will work out the way that we want, but it is a constant part of every story of achieving dreams, goals, achieving something significant in our life. There's an element of grit and determination in a part of every one of those stories. We know that life throws us curveballs, and usually they're out of our control. And there's not a person in this room that hasn't been hurt, hasn't been disappointed, hasn't been knocked down. And I would venture to guess that if we were to ask each person here to share their greatest blessings, their greatest accomplishments, what is it in your life that you're the most proud of? What is it in, the life that, in your life that you've, that you've accomplished that you, you never thought you would? If we were to ask every person to share those blessings, those accomplishments in their life, we would likely find behind the surface there are also stories of grit and determination that were required to be faithful, to press on in order to reach those levels and those goals. The most meaningful and significant things in my life have required me to push through challenges and negative voices. This is true for me as a husband and a father. This is true for me as a pastor. It's, it's true for me in, in, in my business. I routinely find myself at the end of my own abilities, stretched to the limit, unable to see how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to respond to this? How will I move forward? And those are the moments that I discover Jesus somehow makes a way. And there's a moment there where we're, I, I find in myself, I'm in that moment where I don't understand how I can get forward, but something transitions and something happens, and there's almost this ability to look back and realize that Jesus has already been carrying me. Jesus has already been making a way. And somehow I find myself on the other side looking back. And Jesus is the way maker. Our series is called Words to Live By, which is based on Jesus' teachings in the book of Matthew. And as followers of Jesus, we believe his words are something that we pay attention to and build our life on. They're more than just pithy or witty sayings. They're truth. It's spiritual truth. When Jesus says something, we listen. We take it to heart. And as we continue in our series, our text today that I'm at is Matthew 7, uh, 7 to 8. It says this. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. 
Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, Matthew 7 represents a, a shift in Jesus' ministry. Up until this point, Jesus has had his baptism. He's been, kind of been inaugurated into ministry. He's done this, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7. And what it is is he gathers these people around him. And as he gathers people around him, he begins to teach them on the values and the ethics of the kingdom. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where we are now, we're on the cusp of something different. We're on a shift in Jesus' ministry. Because now he's going to take the disciples that he's gathered around him, and he's going to send them out. And they're going to become scattered, and they're going to begin to share the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God to the world around them. And that is right where he's at. And so when he, he shares these words, he's about to commission and send out his disciples. In some respects, Matthew 7 is similar to a coach giving an inspirational speech to the team before the big game. He's preparing them for the challenges they're about to face. And this is what we see in Matthew 7. In, in 13, 14, Jesus says, the gate into the kingdom is narrow and the road is difficult and only a few will find it. In verse 15 to 20, Jesus warns his disciples of false prophets who will come as wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. In verses 21, 23, he warns them to be wise because many will misrepresent the gospel and be false disciples in their midst. Jesus gathers the troops and he says, get ready, you're going to encounter some opposition. You're going to be tested. This is the context behind this great encouragement that Jesus gives, probably one of the greatest encouragements and, and one of the, the greatest promises of Scripture. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks find. Everyone who knocks on the door, the door will be opened. And so I want to share a few observations on these words and on these thoughts. The first is this idea that keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking is about clinging to God's faithfulness. This is a declaration of the faithfulness of God over your life. The NIV says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. And this is a favorite passage for prosperity gospel preachers. It's this idea that like, ask and ye shall receive, right? Seek and ye shall find. And they proclaim that if you just knock, the door will be opened and you will get whatever it is that you want. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Jesus promised it. Name it and claim it. He's going to grant us our every wish. Well, the problem is that's not really what Jesus is saying there. Jesus didn't sound like that. He didn't have a weird spray tan and weird hair when he gave the, the speech Remember, he's preparing the disciples who are about to step out into ministry and spread the gospel. He's encouraging them because he knows they're going to be tested. He knows they're going to face difficulty. He knows they're going to face persecution. Jesus isn't telling the disciples, this is, you came out here on the mountain and you opened your heart to me and you put your hand up and I saw you in the back and we said the prayer and now you can go back home and get bigger nets because I'm going to bless you with record catches so that you can buy bigger boats 
so you can have more fish, so you can buy a summer you know, shack on the beach with a two-camel garage out front. That's not what Jesus is promising here. He's not promising the good life, the simple life, the blessed life. This is about following Jesus. This is about being in the kingdom. He's not guaranteeing everything will go the way they want it to. We know that not everything went the way the disciples wanted it to. We've got the scriptures. How do we reconcile this promise that Jesus will he'll give what we ask, we'll receive what we, what we look for, he'll open the door when we knock? Well, what Jesus is saying is he's encouraging them to stay faithful when things get challenging, knowing that they will receive the prize of the eternal kingdom. Jesus is promising eternal life. He's promising his faithfulness that he will not leave them or forsake them. He's promising that the door will be opened, that they will step into his kingdom. They will experience these things. I really like the New Living Translation's wording of these verses because it highlights that it's more than a one-time request that we instantly get what we ask for or seek. There's an emphasis on the wording in the NLT that focuses on the element of following Jesus, this ongoing, continual process of following Jesus in our life. The scriptures say in this translation, which is probably more accurate looking at the tense of the verbs in the Greek language, it says this, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Jesus is telling the disciples, don't give up, don't quit. Things will get difficult. You'll be tricked and lied to. You'll be persecuted, but keep going. Jesus says, keep on seeking. In John 16.33, Jesus gives the disciples this promise. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep knocking when the testing comes because this is when we discover God's faithfulness. Joseph found God's faithfulness in prison. The door was opened for Moses when he stepped onto dry ground and crossed the Red Sea. David received the Lord's help and protection while hiding for his very life in the cave in the wilderness. Daniel found God's faithfulness in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego discovered that God shows up right next to you in the fiery furnace. These are moments that we have with Jesus that can't be replaced. Because when we have grit and determination and we don't give in, when we keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep believing, we cling to Jesus and he shows up in our life. This is about determination and grit. 
during times of discouragement, times when it's dry, times when it's difficult, times when we don't have the answer, times when we don't know how to work our way out of the problem we're in or how to fix what's broken. It's about clinging to Jesus because he's good, because he's faithful. Uh, Alaric, who got baptized today, it was so good to have, I met his mom today for the first time here from, from South Africa. His dad's watching us online right now. Uh, I met Alaric his first Sunday with us back in the fall. He was standing right back by the water cooler. And he had the, uh, the awkward, I'm new here and I don't know anybody pose. You all know, you are, you've been there. You've been in junior high school, probably you know what that's like. And, and I could tell Al was this you know, he's a student, likely, because of his age, and he's here it's Sunday night, young adult, kind of focused worship service, and I could tell he's new. He just had that, like, he didn't talk to anybody. There was nobody around him. He was on his own. So I went over to him, and uh, I learned that he's a new student from UBC. I learned that his family's all back home in South Africa. He doesn't know a person in Kelowna. It's his first week in Kelowna. He doesn't know any other students yet. He's just kind of got moved into his dorm. And as we visited, I remember feeling so moved in my heart. Because I could sense that space between Al's life here and Al's life all the way back in South Africa. And I said, would, would it be okay if I gave you a hug? And this is COVID. Like, you're not even supposed to be in the six foot bubble. And, uh, and he just said, yeah. And I just remember giving him a big hug back by the, by the water cooler. I put my hands on his shoulder. And he's, he's a big guy. He's bigger than I am. I put my hands on his shoulder and I said, Alaric, I just believe this is going to be a good year for you. That you're going to discover things and find things about Jesus and your faith that you didn't know. I just tried to encourage him, and I, and I talked some more, and I found out he actually walked here from the university. Just found us on the internet. I need to find a church in Kelowna. Enter. And we popped up. He walked here. And the last shuttle of the night was just pulling out. I ran out in the park, and I said, come with me, come with me. And I, and I stopped the shuttle and, and, and uh, opened the door, and I said, everyone, this is Alaric. Alaric, this is everyone. And he climbed in and closed the door. <laughs> and off he went. But he hasn't missed a Sunday since. He's come to rhythms and alpha and small groups and worship services. He met friends. He sits with them every week. I know it's been a challenging and stretching year for Al. And there were probably dozens of opportunities as a freshman university student on your own, away from family, where nobody is here and nobody's looking in on you to give up, to start partying, and to lose your way. But here's what I find amazing about his story. How much easier would it have been to hide away in his dorm room watching Netflix that first lonely weekend? But instead, he gets out his computer and he searches for a church in Kelowna and he finds one and it's a long ways away and he puts his shoes on and his jacket on and he walks here. It takes grit and determination to move halfway across the world to go to university 
and live on your own for the first time. It takes grit to get off the couch and show up to a church in a place where you don't know anyone else. It takes grit to grow up and build your own faith. And here we are six or seven months later, and in his last few weeks with us, it takes grit to stand in the baptismal tank in front of everybody and declare faith in Jesus, newly affirmed, found, discovered faith in Jesus. And you know why he has that faith? Because he didn't give up. Because there was an element of determination. There was an element of, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my shoes and my jacket on, and I'm going to walk there if I have to, whether I know somebody or not. Was it a challenging year for Al? Of course it was. But will he remember the Lord's faithfulness over his life for a long time to come? Of course he will. Because it's in the moments that we push into that discomfort and we lean into it that we find Jesus is good. Joshua 1.9 says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Because this is how you discover Jesus is with you. I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to get ready to close. And as we do, another observation I think that I've been meditating on and has been kind of surfacing in my heart on these verses is that keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking is really a declaration of God's faithfulness. We keep going when things are difficult because we trust more in God's goodness than the circumstances of the moment that we're in. In the following verses, immediately after this, Jesus says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? He's a good Father. And he has good gifts for his children. Al found good gifts this year. Things that he didn't know he would find at the beginning of his year. But he had to step out in faith. He had to keep going. This is the story that we're all in. We receive from Jesus. We find the way the door is open when we continue to lean into him because he's a good father because he loves us every time you go to Jesus in prayer every time you seek his will for your life every time you knock on the door you're telling Jesus you trust him and I want to encourage you today to put your focus and trust in Jesus goodness and not the circumstances around you Isaiah 41.10 reads, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious 
right hand. We keep asking, we keep seeking, and we keep knocking because he's a good father. And that is a declaration that we will continue to put our hope and our trust in him. And I trust you'll be encouraged to let those words sit over your heart this week.